Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. ESNY. at night rolling as always with my co-host chip murphy chip what's going on how you doing man i'm good man how are you doing good doing good uh we were just talking a little bit uh, uh offline um that we just we just saw a pretty interesting tweet from shams charania that russell westbrook reportedly wants out of houston uh not a completely shocking situation so i think we'll get into that in a little bit um, but uh, overall, we are continuing our NBA A through Z series, and tonight we are discussing the Portland Trailblazers. So in order for us to break that down, we reached out to a very talented writer, fan-sided, Rip City Project's own Marlo Ferguson. Marlo, what's going on, man? Thank you for coming on the podcast. How you guys doing? Thanks so much for having me. Of course, man. Anytime. Um, we are very happy to have you on, and, and you know Chip and I, as we were talking a little bit offline, we're both Knicks fans and we're both Mellow fans. So we've been looking forward to this one specifically because any chance we get to talk Mellow, we jump at it. It doesn't matter if it has anything to do with the conversation that we're talking about. Um, he's a great player, and, and we obviously loved loved him when he was here with the Knicks. So we'll be interested to get your take on him as well. Um, but I think what we'll do where we get started is just kind of with you as well. You know, when we have writers on, we want to talk to them about the history of their fandom, you know, why they like the teams that they like. So if you could just talk to us a little bit, you bring us behind the curtain and talk to us about, you know, the history of your fandom as a Portland Trailblazers fan and, and how you got started with um, writing about them. Basically, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I was a really big Allen Iverson fan. Like he was everything when I was a kid, had the braids, cornrows, everything like that. And he got traded in 2007. So I was so mad. I was like, forget Philly, forget everything. I'm going to a different team. And uh, <laughs> Portland ended up getting Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge at the same time. So in 07, I was like, that's my team. I'm going with them. And uh, since then, LaMarcus Aldridge has been my favorite player. And it's just been just riding that wave ever since then. So. Yeah, man. LMA is uh, a, an interesting player, like super skilled, big. I feel like he doesn't always get the credit that he deserves sometimes, um, but definitely a, a good player for sure. Yeah. Chip. All-time favorite. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Chip, what about you? What do you remember about some of those uh, those early Blazers days with, with Brandon Roy and LaMarcus? Brandon Roy, for sure. Brandon Roy is one of the mo- like all-time what-if players from our – 
generation, like because like injuries, obviously, but yeah, people because Dame Lillard has taken over the Portland franchise now so much and rightfully so, but people forget like how good Brandon Roy almost was. And LaMarcus Aldridge was so good too, but he obviously stepped away and Dame Lillard took over. But I remember, yeah, that team looked like it was going to be something really special. And then like, obviously injuries took down Brandon Roy and Dame Lillard, no one knew he was going to be that good, especially the yeah. Marcus Aldridge, obviously, because yeah. he was not planning on being a number two to anyone. That's why he went to San Antonio, ironically enough. Then Kawhi Leonard, same thing happened there. But yeah, I Brandon Roy was fun to watch, man. He was really fun to watch. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> no, I, I, I think, um, like you were saying, Chip, he's, he's on that list of, the all-time what-if players, like such a good um, two-way player too. You know, not just offensively talented, but on the defensive side of the ball, really stout player as well. Um, But as we kind of transition to the current state of the Blazers, they're always a really interesting team for me, Marlo, and I'm I'm happy to hear your, you know, I definitely want to get your thoughts on this as well. Like they're a team that um, they don't really swing for the fences too much. I think they, they really rely on their core. They're invested in their core. They have smart um, ownership for an office, coaching, like top-down. They're a very strong organization. Um, and this past season was very challenging and presented a lot of different unique uh, circumstances and challenges for most organizations. But we all know that uh, the season ended with a, in a five-game loss you know, to the Los Angeles Lakers. But when you look back on the 2019-2020 season, just – Marlo, what are your initial thoughts? Like, what overall, what do you, what do you see about that that season? I think it kind of goes overlooked, uh, just how much adversity they had to overcome. Like, if you look at 2019 versus 2020, they had like the, the second best injury luck in the league, and then this year they had the third worst. So it's like, look at that, and they still made the playoffs. It's like it's crazy. So I'm thinking about it like that, in terms of you know giving them a chance to bring that roster back next season. I think they'll be able to get to about maybe 48, 50 wins. Uh, they're not a championship team, but I think they can definitely make a, a run for the second round, third round, stuff like that. Uh, the cards fall right. Absolutely, and it's it's interesting too. Like I I totally agree that um, if they just get healthy, right? There's so much. They're they're a much better team, and they can definitely contend with the top guys in the West. But one thing that I also thought was interesting, and I guess maybe this goes back to the the Trailblazers, not you know being a home run type team. I know that Jeru Holiday has been on the trading block. There's been a lot of teams that have been contacting, but I was surprised to hear that Portland wasn't really one of them. Um, and again, it's like they're committed to their core, but are there any vets or trade targets that you personally see as like a realistic option for the Blazers? Um, and if you do have a target in mind, um, you know, could one of those targets close the gap between the Blazers and the top of the Western Conference? It's a good question. Uh, everybody wants to see Gallinari. I'm not sure if I want to see Gallinari or not, but I think if, if you do bring him on, definitely gives you a better chance. Uh, I'm hoping we're going to get Serge Ibaka. We get him on the mid-level exception or something like that, and we really be, we'd be in a good position. Those are the two guys that I'm, like, really thinking about, but there's a couple. I mean, we can get – Jay Crowder on like a small deal, like that. Just somebody that can 
you know, switch on defense, give us three and D, uh, to be be really big for us. I saw you wrote about Demarcus Cousins too. As like obviously he would be a, a nice vet minimum gamble you could take a shot on. Uh, talk about why you think he'd be a good fit for Portland. I just think he's got such a high ceiling and it's like it's low risk. I mean he's not gonna. Remember back in the day he said his, his value as far as getting signed was like so low. So you think about it now it's like ten times lower. So if he's able to take a minimum deal, kind of prove himself, uh, he'd be a nice you know replacement for Hassan Whiteside. Cause I don't think they want to pay him money. So we can get him. Uh, he's got a good rapport with Dame Lillard. And just bringing him in just gives you star power and respect around the Western Conference. Do you think? Do you think Cousins would be like the interesting thing to me about the Blazers too is they have such a they have a lot of depth at the forward and center position specifically between Nurkic, Collins, Whiteside. Do you think Cousins um, fits into that rotation nicely, or do you think someone has to get squeezed out a little bit? in terms of, you know, making making room for him? It'd definitely be tough. Uh, but I think we've been so unhealthy over the last couple of years that you, know, you can't really just buy into Zach Collins staying healthy. So right. I think if you want a backup, a backup big for Nurkic, because he gets in foul trouble, like, all the time, like five, six fouls a night. So we got somebody that can back him up, stay in the post. I think it'd be well for us. But probably some more affordable players. Like I would like to see maybe Aaron Baines, like that. Uh, just somebody like that. Just, Hold it down for a second unit. Aaron Baines would be a great fit oh, for them because he, be he can stretch the floor. Yep. Yeah, he'd be great because he could probably play with Nurk a little bit. But I did. I'm glad you brought up uh, Collins because I wanted to ask what your take was on Collins because people are kind of all over the place on him. And I remember when he was on list for like potential breakout candidates and uh, like a couple years ago, I guess. And he was the tenth overall pick, and now he's he's only played 154 games in three seasons. He's been been really injury prone, but he's still only 23 years old. So I wanted to get your take on Collins, how you see him going forward. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm kind of losing faith on him because he's just, he can't stay healthy. Like when he's healthy, he's, he's, he's pretty good, but I don't think he fits as the right forward for us. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he can't space the floor as well as you would kind of want. Uh, he just can't stay healthy. Like I liked what I seen from William Gabriel and those guys in his absence. But yeah. He's healthy. I think he's good. I'd move on. Yeah, Collins is such an interesting one for me too because I remember there was a playoff series a couple of years ago where he actually yeah. played pretty good. Um, he had a very impactful role, and he fits the mold, you know, from a, a body and frame standpoint and skill set of like what you want. But you know, Chip says this all the time to me, and you kind of hinted at it too, Marlo. Availability is the best ability sometimes, and if you can't be on the court when your coach needs you to play, you know, that's a big part of the reason why, like you said, they may have to move on from him or they may even look to add more depth at the forward and center position. Yeah. And he could be part of a deal for a star too. Like he's, he's shown enough where a team may want him in a deal for a star and Portland's not going to say no, if it's just based on what they've seen. So. I think we're concerned that we can get we can get Aldridge for him. I would like that. I'd be cool with that. <laughs> that would be yeah. That would Bringing be something LMA if he back. came back too. Yeah, that would be very interesting, Marlo. I think you'd be pretty pumped. <laughs> is that something? Is that something that's been talked about? I haven't even heard that one. Yeah, it's been. Uh, I don't know if you guys you know Jabari Young from I think it's NBC Sports, like San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, they were making some some discussions about that. You know, the Arctic either going to back to Portland or maybe to like Golden State, which I'd be cool with that too. Yeah, I saw uh, San Antonio trading for Golden State's pick. I saw that one. Yeah, that's too. <laughs> It'd be nice for him if he got traded to a good team. Yeah, because San Antonio is going nowhere, obviously. So hopefully yeah. DeRozan and him get moved to contenders. That'd be that'd be interesting if DeRozan ends up in Toronto because I think that could be a spot for him too, especially Van, especially Van Vliet leaves too. Because I saw the thing today where he said he's trying. He said he's I'm trying to get paid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> did. Can't really blame so him for that. Cash out. <laughs> yeah, I don't really blame him. He won his championship, right? Well, he earned his money. He yeah, earned he it. He did. He did. Um, switching gears a little bit, you know, like I, we, like we were talking about earlier, we would be very remiss if we didn't discuss Carmelo Anthony, the season he just had, and the potential for him uh, coming back. Um, so, what are the chances that you personally think Melo is back with the Blazers next year? Uh, he was a solid vet presence. Obviously, Damon CJ love him. Scored fifteen a game. It seemed to be the perfect place for him, but I wonder if there's other free agents for a similar dollar amount that might be a better fit for the team and more impactful for them going forward. What's your overall take on Melo's year that he had and his fit with the team going forward? I felt a little bit better about it uh, a few months ago, but you know, with Gary Trent Jr. making his breakout, I think it's going to kind of cut into his plans out. So if he comes back next year, he's probably going to take a little bit of a minutes decrease, uh, maybe a role decrease, and uh, he definitely won't be getting 35 minutes tonight. So I'm kind of worried about that. <laughs> so if I, if I was him, I would think about maybe maybe a New York return, maybe something like that, go play for a top-tier team or something like that. But I don't think he's going to come back, honestly. I want him to, but I don't see it. Well, he's not going to be playing 35 minutes a night in New York, no. I mean, or for a top-tier team either. So he's gonna whether he stays in Portland, I, I think he's gonna be playing the same role with the Lakers or with Portland. So I think why not? Unless he wants to go play with LeBron, get with the Lakers and try and win a title. But, that would be pretty. Amazing. I mean, he said he said he likes. He said all the right things. He said he obviously he likes Terry Stotts. He likes Neil O'Shea. The fact that I think the fact that they gave him a shot when no one would, literally no one would, has to mean something to him. So this I feel like it's factor, I feel right? like it's probably yeah, I feel like it's probably between Portland and the Knicks. I'd be surprised if he went anywhere else. I'm a little worried because every time I read, like, I don't know if you guys know Jason Quick from the Athletic. Yeah. He's always writing stuff and he's like sometimes Melo dodges the question. Like if they ask, would you take a smaller role? He doesn't want to answer it. He's kinda kinda not committal to that. So Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't see him doing the Vince Carter thing. Where nah. he's like, I don't see him doing that. That's really interesting too, Marlo, because honestly, it's funny. I didn't really hear that reported a lot this year. You know, I, I, I definitely, uh, I would have been interested to hear, you know, kind of his thoughts on that. But I think he's probably a savvy enough vet now that he knows how to dodge those questions to where his, his, whatever his, uh, you know, his, his quote doesn't get blown up and, and blasted all over the NBA um, front pages. But you mentioned Gary Trent. And uh, I really wanted to talk about him a lot. Uh, Chip is a big Duke fan. Um, so I know he follows Trent and all the Duke guys very closely. But I, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on Trent because I was looking at some of his shooting numbers from the bubble. And they were just outrageous. You know, he was shooting over 40% from three, 80 from the line. We know that 
there were some inflated numbers in the bubble uh, shooting related. How real do you think Gary Trent's performance was, and what type of role do you see for him? Um, see him playing in the future. I've actually been hearing about uh, trade rumors with him. Like some people were talking about maybe trading Brandon Clark in order to get uh, in order to get him away. But I think it's real. I think it's real. He, he showed right before the bubble too that he was starting to pick up his groove and get things going like that. I think the next big step for him is going to be uh, learning to create his own shot. Mm. Like he's pretty good at catch and shoot, but if he can, you know, guys are closing out on him, he can, you know, take him off the dribble, get to the rack. That's going to be his next big step. But uh, I could see him being maybe a 15, 16 point player, six man of the year type candidate. But there's, there's some trade rumors out there. So <coughs> sorry, guys. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, Chip. Um, I I don't know if you if you got a chance to see him much this year, but he he was definitely one of those guys. I you know I noticed a lot in the playoffs. He was just shooting the lights out. Oh yeah, he was unfortunately lost in the shuffle at Duke, but uh, among many talented players. But uh, yeah, I think he even talked about that. But he he looked amazing. Like he was he was on the the TJ Warren bubble team. Just shooting, yeah, he looked fantastic. But uh, yeah, I think he look. He obviously he has incredible talent. You look at his high school career and what he was expected to be in college, and he was he looked like a steal for Portland. Portland has a lot of guys who a lot of young talent on that team. With we talked about Collins, Simons on that team too. Yeah, I mean they have a lot of young talent on that team who people expect to pop, and Trent is one of those guys. So it'd be. And he's like, I mean, just based, I know their defense isn't strong, but just, again, based on the bubble, he he looked like their best defender. He was always guarding the best player. I mean, so I I like I like Gary Trent. And again, I'm a Duke fan, so I'm always going to root for Gary Trent, no matter what team he's on, obviously. But yeah, I liked what I saw from him, particularly in the bubble. And Marlo, Chip brought up the defense, and um, I know that was a, a big topic of discussion amongst Blazers fans this year. Uh, overall, 26 in the league in opponents' points per game. Uh, they struggled to guard anybody, right? Uh, but their offense was great. You know, they were a great shooting team. Uh, they had great isolation scoring. What do you think the Blazers can do to improve on defense? Do you think it's a personnel issue? I know that some of Terry Stott's defensive schemes were criticized a little bit. Or do you think it's as simple as, you know, they had injuries to Zach Collins, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, um, and, you know, if once once they get Ariza back and you have Trent maybe, you know, guarding on the perimeter, that they'll just improve and it'll be fine? I think it's a little bit of everything. Uh, like you talked about with Terry Stotts, I think at some point you you got to stop drop covering. You know, you got to make the base come up a little bit because teams are just shooting threes and getting mid-range shots, and it's not working well for us. But I think it's uh, it's all going to boil down to free agency, too. Like, everybody wants to see Danilo Gallinari come aboard, and I'd be cool with that, but he's not like a, a lockdown defender either. Like, if you look at his numbers, teams usually shoot better against him in the playoffs. So I'm kind of worried about that. I think we should try to go and get maybe two or three guys that can lock down. Like, I want to see Gary Payton Jr. Uh, come to the team. Uh do some guys like that. Just hard-nosed, greedy guys. Like, we need that nasty beast to have. We haven't had that, you know, in a year or two, so got to have that back. Gary Payton Jr., Nick Killer. Yeah. Gary, Gary, Gary Payton Jr. 
is if he could play every game against the Knicks, he'd be a $20 million a year player. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was with the Wizards, right, Chip? Yeah. 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 He torched us. Yeah. No, he looked really good. I, he's definitely going to be a steal in free agency. He looked really good. He is. He is. Um, Marlo, with the draft just over a week away, are there any targets that you're looking at specifically – um, I've been trying to cover this draft, you know, as as hard as I can. I, I feel like there's a, a couple prospects that I know really well, but you know, for you guys and and the picks that you have, is there anyone that you're looking to really try and get? There's one player I really want us to get. I don't care if we got to trade up for him, whatever you got to do, gotta go get Sadiq Bay. Oh wow, okay, yeah. Oh nice. <clears throat> My favorite player in the draft. I think he's he's gonna be a stud. Kind of reminds me of Paul Millsap and how he can you know shoot. Pump fake and get to the rack. Defense is nice. And uh, he plays well in big games, too. That's one of the big things I always look at. Like, how does he perform in bigger games? I, I think we should get him. If not him, I think RJ Hampton's a good fit. Uh, just thinking about it like that. Those are the two guys that I really like, really want to see. I saw you guys are interested. You wrote about it, too. You guys are interested in Jay Scrub, too, the Juco prospect. We talked to his uh, coach on this podcast. Yeah, he uh, yeah, he's he sells them really well. <laughs> so we came away, we came away sold on Jay Scrub, and we obviously watched a lot of him too. And I don't know, we think he'd be obviously a great fit with you guys because you guys have a good reputation in developing young players. But no, he he really comes across well on uh on video. You watch him and in transition and stuff. Obviously, he's not uh, polished yet. But man, he's impressive, and Sadiq. I totally agree with Sadiq Bay. I think he's going to be really good. But that's partially Villano East Coast biased because me and me and Jen just like Mikhail Bridges and all those all those Villanova guys, all those Villanova wings. Those guys always oh, yeah. turn out good. Yeah, the other thing too, Marlo. Um, uh, I, actually, I would love Jay Scrub to be a, a, a fit for the Trailblazers because. You guys have a really strong culture there too. You know, uh, Jay's story is is very unique. Uh, he struggled a lot academically in high school. You know, went to JUCO. You know, got everything fixed and and, and climbed up the ladder. Really benefited from, you know, I think going to a smaller school where they could have, you know, more eyes on him and and have more of like a supportive environment. But you already know everybody talks around the NBA about what a strong leader Damian Lillard is. So whoever comes in, um, you know, to the Blazers franchise, they know that it's that that's the guy you got to look for. If if he says something like that's the person you got to follow. I think it'll work out for him. Oh yeah. What um uh, kind of the off the wall question a little bit? What do you think about the city edition uh, jerseys? I like it, but so many of them are just being just kind of off the wall, like. Philly, the Philadelphia 76 is one really made me upset. Uh, I wanted them to go more old school. I thought Portland's uniforms were, were pretty cool. Like the brownish kind of colors. It's, it's all right, but it's nothing that compared to last year. Yeah. Last year's uniforms, the cream, the 50th uh, anniversary. I love those. I got to get used to it, but it's all right. It's just all right. What do you think, um, I, you know, we there's no way we could go through this podcast and not talk about Dame uh, in in some more of like a targeted way, what do you think Dame needs and and the Blazers need uh, to really take that next step and challenge you know the Lakers and Clippers up at the top of the West? Man, it's 
That's a tough question. That's a really good question. Um, I think you definitely need to get some some defensive improvements there. I think you have to get to a point where you can. You remember how they had Mo Harkless and Alfred Camino? They were able to kind of hide the guards a little bit. Uh, you know, have long ranging defenders. I think you need two of those. Uh, you have to be able to just have guys that can switch off, play play defense, hit threes. I think you need to have a lot of luck too. Like injuries, he can't have years where you know half his guys are half the guys are injured. So mm-hmm. think about it like that. Everybody's been talking about trading CJ too, and I'm not I'm not sure about that just yet. I'm a little worried about that. But maybe you try that. Maybe you try that. You can get a, a, a better start to fit him in the front court. Uh, I don't know. I think the most important thing you need is luck. So you gotta have injury free season and just try to go about it like that. How do you think Dame would react to trading CJ though? Because I remember when the Raptors traded uh, DeRozan and him and Lowry were really close, and he didn't take it well, and it almost like ruined the partnership with Masai Ujiri there. Yeah. That's the number one reason why I don't want them to trade CJ because like right. you don't get that symmetry on trees. Like you can't just replicate that with just anybody, especially not like Aaron Gordon. Like you're not getting that for Aaron Gordon. I think uh, <laughs> if, you, if you do trade him. I can't even imagine a situation where you do trade him, but if you do, you got to go get him like a star. You got to be a star, like a Paul George. If you can get a Paul George, maybe you you know you, you start doing that. But it can't be for a guy that's not a, a certified developed star. It's got to be somebody you picked up. You got to put him around David. Yeah, the thing the thing that I think you said that that sticks out for me is uh, it's got to be a big or a forward. If you're gonna trade CJ, it's got to be for somebody that um, is either like an elite rim protecting big. Uh, to sew up that defense and be the anchor for you, or it's got to be that forward that has a lot of shot creation talent, can play defense as well, hit the three. I think those are the only situations that you let go of, um, obviously, you know, uh, a big part of the backcourt, probably the most famous backcourt in Blazers history, of, of course. Chip, uh, any? do you have any other uh, Blazers-related question for Marlo? I think we should definitely talk about uh, Russ and, and Harden. I got a couple more tweets that came through over here while we were talking as well. Yeah. Uh, no, I just wanted to ask Marlo his uh, opinion on uh, – because I asked him about Collins. I wanted to ask you about Anthony Simons too. Uh, he's, he's such a work in progress. I can't even really, really – I can't get his game yet. Like when he comes in the game, you want to see him pass a little bit more. That doesn't mean they know how to use him really either. Like they say this summer he's been working with Darren Collison on developing his, like, pure point guard skills. So that could be a big development for him. But uh, you just got to – I want to see him become more efficient, be a little bit more decisive with his shots, and just see what he can do as far as that. Defensively, he's a little bit of a, a hiccup. I don't know. I'm a little worried about him. Like, I, w- I would probably trade him too. Like, you get a chance. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'll probably trade him too. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so Zach Collins and 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 Simon's got to go. That's that's been the that's been kind of where we came. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, so it, it it's just crazy. We were taping this tonight, and right before we popped on, I literally looked at my phone and it says Russ wants out of Houston. So then, uh, probably at around the ten fifteen minute mark of this podcast. I see something that says James Harden is still committed to Houston, and he said that he's locked in to this season. Um, so just, I guess, Chip and Marlo, just just guys' initials, reactions. Do you think a deal gets done um, 
Do you think Russ gets traded after just one year in Houston? After spending his entire career in OKC, still got a lot of money left on the books there. Um, or do you think that it's going to be tough to find another suitor for him? For Russ? Yeah. Is it going to be? Uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to find a suitor. I mean, how many teams are really going to want to trade for him? I mean, I, I off the top of my head, man, I, ugh, uh, first off, you got to have cap space. You know, you got to be able to absorb that contract or have, you know, contracts that match up. Um, I don't know, man. I, I this, this is a tough look, look for Russ overall. Uh, I don't blame him for wanting out, but I don't know. You almost wonder if there's more, um, behind the scenes stuff going on there. I don't know why just after one year he would want to pull the ripcord on, on him and Harden's pairing, but you know, I don't know if it has that much. Is it, do you think him and Harden are fighting? I don't know if it's that. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's that, but my thing is like, you're telling me he really wants to leave that badly because Mike D'Antoni is no longer the coach and Daryl Moore is no longer the president. Like you're telling me he was that married to the idea of, of, D'Antoni and and Moray like that's that's what's tough for me to buy that he's like oh I don't know where this franchise is going I can't you know Steven from whatever from what I heard Silas seems like a smart guy and people respect him so I don't know you know it's a tough situation I'm not sure how much I buy the idea that James Harden is locked in on the Rockets well that could be true that doesn't mean he doesn't want to be traded true Marla what do you think well, last I heard, it was only like what four or five teams that had like a lot of cap space. So like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know who wants to use it on what a thirty, what thirty-one, thirty-two-year-old point guard that yeah. can't shoot. Like, I don't know. I, I can't see a team going to take, taking a risk on him like that. I want him to get traded. Like, I would love for him to go to like. Don't tell anybody I said this. I would love for him to go to the Knicks. <laughs> 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 hey, the garden, the garden going. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't. We don't. We don't. We don't need that type of excitement right now, man. We, <laughs> Listen, listen, this is where, right now, we're in the baby stages of our development. We're going to take our, our one step here, then we're going to go there, then we're not, we don't need, we don't need Russ to come in and, uh, you know, just, just blow no, all No, but hold up. on. Frank Nielakina for Russell Westbrook. I think we could make that <laughs> work, probably. Yeah. What about Chris Paul? Would you guys want Chris Paul? I would take him. Yeah, I would. I, would. I love Chris Paul. Chris Paul is one of my favorite players of all time. I would never not want Chris Paul on the Knicks. Um, but you know what? That kind of brings up an interesting conversation, though, Marlo. What? What do? You, what do you? What's your overall thoughts on Russ, the player? You know, I think he he's like somewhat polarizing because um, he plays really hard, right? People love that about him. You know, people love the fact that he gets triple doubles. Sometimes he hunts down those stats. Um, you know, I don't. It's it's he hasn't won much without other great players but then again not a lot of not a lot of people have um what's your overall take on him as like an elite player do you still believe he's an elite player in this game um or or what's your feeling on him absolutely like my favorite player of all time is Allen Iverson so it would be kind of hypocritical for me to you know criticize the rest for the same things that I I, I you know uh, support Allen Iverson for so thinking about it like that I think he's a little a bit a little bit underrated in terms of this efficiency, when you look at just that, it's kind of easy to kind of draw a conclusion and, and say what you say about him. But 
plays with a lot of heart. I think you can build a team around him that can still get you, you know, 50 wins. He's probably not a, a championship type player anymore, but I think you can get a good playoff product out of him with him being the best player. You definitely need shooting around him for sure. If you if you don't have shooting, it's it's going to be a tough go for for sure. But the Rockets surrounded him with shooting. Yeah, I mean the most shooting of any team in NBA history. They literally traded Capella so that they could put PJ Tucker as a small ball five to just throw all their cards in the middle of the pot to try and make it work. So I mean, listen. Yeah, they. Yeah, Daryl Morey, like threw his. All the all his chips on the table for Russ to cater to Russell Westbrook's game, and the Lakers still ignored Russell Westbrook in the playoffs. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure how if he, I don't think he can be the number one guy on a team anymore. Right, but I I wonder what this is about. I'm I'm very interested as well. I mean, like it doesn't look like we have a lot of details yet, um, but I'd be very interested to see if there's any type of friction in the locker room or if he just doesn't like the fact that D'Antoni and Moray left. Um, but, you know, I mean, like, there have been people that have, I, I mean, maybe I don't want to say people because at the moment it's just Chris Paul, but um, I don't think it's easy to play with James Harden. I think he's an amazing talent. I'm just not sure that it's, it's relatively easy, um, especially when you know when Moray and D'Antoni were there, everything is circled around Harden. Like and they they built their entire basketball philosophy around him and his game and what he does. Well they said earlier that Harden was involved in personnel moves. So like and when Maury left, like Tim McMahon from ESPN <laughs> said that Maury was dealing with his like kind of jokingly, but he said Maury was answering to his two bosses, Tillman Fertita and James Harden. Like so yeah, Harden is really Running the show there, pretty much. Right. Yeah. Um, Marlo, before uh, we let you go, I, I feel like, you know, from one Allen Iverson fan to another, I uh, he's also my favorite <clears throat> player of all time, man. I, 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 You know, that guy is, he's literally the reason that, not the reason I started watching basketball, but definitely the reason that I got so into it. Um you know, I, I just think his stamp on the game from a cultural standpoint and, and obviously from his play is unparalleled. Uh, what's your favorite AI moment? Uh, if you can uh, if you can give us that. I'm sure there's a lot, but what's your favorite AI moment? Favorite AI moment? I can't pick the step over because that's like the most iconic. Man, that's, whew, I can write a book about this. Favorite AI moment. Man. Trying to think of one that really comes to mind. I, I remember one game he had in, in uh, Milwaukee where he was like bleeding so bad. They said his mouth was bleeding. He had to like swallow blood in the middle of the game. And the referees were like, okay, if he, if he has to go spit blood, he can't come back in. So he's in the fourth quarter. He had like 15 points straight up where he's like swallowing blood, continuing to play in the game. And I think that just kind of personified how tough he was. That he just wouldn't leave the game, he refused to leave the game. Uh, stuck it out there for his team and just he went out there and won it and it was just it's crazy just the heart that he had it's just amazing to me yeah I um I, I forget I, I I don't know the specific playoff game but there was one playoff game against either the Hornets or the Bucks that I saw that he just I remember this man hit the floor probably like 10 or 12 times during the game 
and still just played his ass off, and no one could stop him. Um, I, I believe it or not, my favorite AI moment, uh, and it's kind of like just a more of an emotional one when he came back to the Sixers after, you know, he obviously his game didn't, you know, not, not, you know, not at the same level, but the press conference and he had his daughters there and his family and everyone like that. Honestly, watching that and seeing how much it meant um, for him and just even watching his relationship with Larry Brown, which had its ups and downs, but just kind of seeing, you know, how he responded and how much he cherished all of those connections, those relationships, those moments. That was really cool to see. Um, I hope we, we have another player like AI in the NBA again, but I'm not really sure that that we will have one. But but that uh that's a top notch dude there for sure. Well said. <laughs> Can't um, say any better. Oh yeah. Uh, Marlo, before uh, we let you go, if you could tell um, you know, the good people at home listening where they can find you on Twitter. If there's anything you're working on right now that you want to promote, uh, please do so for sure. You guys can find me at uh, Melo Ferg, M-E-L-O-F-E-R-G on Twitter. Uh, do NBA, NFL, got some WNBA stuff coming soon, so I'm just trying to branch it out a little bit. Uh, so just find me here. I'm pretty laid back, maybe one or two posts a day. <laughs> but it's pretty much it. Awesome, man. Absolutely. Well, listen. Uh, from both Chip and I, thank you so much for coming on tonight. We really appreciate you giving us, um, you know, so, some of your time. And best of luck to you going forward. We'll definitely be watching the Blazers. And uh, we say this to all the writers too: something big happens with the Blazers, you're the first person we're going to be reaching out to to, to chop it up on the show. So uh, best of luck to you going forward, and, and be well. Appreciate that. It's an honor. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. And for everybody else listening, uh, we hope everybody is safe, safe, and we'll talk to you guys soon.